Anyways, I want to start off our fall ministry season with a couple of Vision Sundays this week and next week to realign and strengthen our Northern Life Church family on the vision that God has put onto our hearts. Each summer we find ourselves heading into different directions for different reasons, and I'm only in a positive way. This year, I want to once again bring us back together and focus onto what the Lord Jesus is calling us to. I want us to focus on what the Lord Jesus is calling us to. Uh, if you could put up, I think it's the second slide uh, there, Alex, I'd appreciate it. Uh, do the next one. What's the next one have? Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, this is our... Uh, uh, this is our vision. Uh, actually, Pastor Andy, can you fix the live stream because they can't see my face? It's something that didn't work. Uh, this is the uh, vision statement for our church. It's simply this, leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, could you say it with me, actually? Let's just do it together. Leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. I was thinking about this. Thank you so much. I was thinking about this the last, a little bit the last few days. And what does leading mean? When you think of that word leading, what does that mean to us? What does it mean to me? I ask myself that question. What state is someone in when they are being led or that we're, when we're leading people? Uh, a very long time ago, uh, Bishop B.F. Westcott of Cambridge University shared this story uh, that he once encountered. Uh, it's, it's simply this. On one occasion, uh, this bishop was approached by a zealous undergraduate I, I was once an undergraduate. I know it's hard to believe, but I was. And there was lots of zealous people back then. I have lots of weird memories. Uh, anyways, we won't go there, but I remember. Maybe you do too, once upon a time. Uh, so on one occasion, he, this bishop was a, approached by a zealous undergraduate who asked him, Are you saved? Ah, said the bishop. A very good question. But tell me, do you mean... And then the bishop mentioned three passive participles of the Greek verb to save, indicating that his answer would depend on which of the three the student had in mind. Uh, he said this, I know I have been saved. That's part of the participles of the Greek verb. I have been saved, he said. I believe I am being saved, and I hope by the grace of God that I shall be saved. Salvation is a huge and comprehensive word. It means freedom. To be saved, being saved, means freedom. As the bishop pointed out, there are three tenses of salvation. You have been set free from the penalty of sin. You are being set free from the power of sin. And you will be set free from the presence of sin. Isn't that awesome? Let me say it again. You have been set free from the penalty of sin. You are being set free from the power of sin. And you will be set free from the presence of sin. So as we lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We're leading individuals, people, human beings, as I like to think of people as. We're leading them through these different stages. I'm leading all of us through these different stages. You see, if you've confessed that you believe in Jesus with your mouth and believe it in your heart, Romans 10.9 says you are saved. Simple as that. Each of us are being saved. In fact, right now, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. Romans 8 verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as, uh, to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. 
And he who, who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. Good reminder, isn't it? If we believe in God, all things work together for His good, for His purpose. That's the way it works. One day, you and I will be saved as we meet the Lord Jesus face to face. We'll be saved again. We'll be separated from the uh, presence of sin. That will, uh, that will be, as you know, a glorious day. Romans 8, verse 37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor, nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Salvation means freedom. Just like our year, if you've forgotten, so the year freedom. Salvation means freedom. As you can see in your life and those around us, too many of us don't live in the freedom that's been given to us. Just think about that for a second. Too many of us don't live in the freedom that's been given to us. We must always lead, as a church, as people of God, we must always lead people to Jesus and then lead people to grow. The biggest mistake that many of us can come across, and I've seen in so many uh, different people's lives, is that we become believers in Christ, and then that's about it. Right? We just stop. Now, there's no, I don't think there's a sin there. You're not a bad person. God loves you. Like, it's, it's all good. But we're actually called to grow in the things of God. Last winter, my family and I had the chance to go to Florida during the March break. As we, yeah, it was nice. As we were traveling south, although there is crazy people in Florida, so I can only take so long, all right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, watch out. <laughs> As we were traveling south, the weather got warmer, of course. And I remember stopping in the mountains of Tennessee for gas. And the weather was warmer as I was pumping the gas. I wasn't freezing myself to death as you do in the winter here. And uh, the weather was warmer, and I thought, wow, it's beautiful here. I thought, we could stay here. Like, this is nice. Later that day, we made it into Georgia, not too far north of Atlanta, and we stopped the game for a quick break. I sat on the back of my truck as everyone in my family was stretching their legs, and uh, I noticed that in where we were, the trees were in bloom. And I thought, wow, it's nice here. We could stay here. That's what I was thinking. Man, it's good. A part of me felt like we could stay in each one of these spots. It's warm. It's good. But we weren't yet at our final destination. We were actually, <laughs> think of it now, when we were north of Atlanta, we were a long way still from where we were going to in Florida at that point. Well, what's, Pastor, what's, what's your point? What are you getting at? Well, if we'd stopped early, we wouldn't have experienced what was to come. The even warmer weather, it was hot where we went, and the experiences that we had. I look at our faith in Jesus a lot like a journey. We're on a journey to a specific destination. I can tell you where you're going. You're going to heaven. That's where you're going. You're going to eternity with Jesus. We need to grow in our faith so that we don't simply stop along the way. Am I suggesting that if we don't grow in our faith, we won't be in eternity with Jesus? No, I'm not suggesting that, so stop. Don't worry about it. You don't have to leave me notes. It's okay. But we need to grow because faith is a journey, and the Lord Jesus has actually called us to grow in the things of God each day, one step at a time. 
Every day we take a step forward. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17, one of my favorite passages for this kind of topic is simply this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Whoa, interesting. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Let me read verse 18 again. And we all with unveiled face, so we are, we are looking directly into God. And we all with unveiled fa- face, beholding the glory of the Lord. We can see the glory of the Lord around us. Are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Think of it like a staircase. Each day we take one step towards the Lord. So each day we are called to take a step. I know you can take more than, step, uh, more than one step if you want, but I suggest at least one at a time. I know in my own life that this isn't the easiest thing. Of course, the Lord Jesus is always ready to lead us and move us forward. But I tend to get in the way sometimes, right? So my challenge for us is for us to grow every single day. Every single day we move forward in the things of God. And we get to do these things together as a church family. We get to simply grow together. Simple as that. So the vision of North Life Church, leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's, that's, where, that's the big picture. And then we kind of drill it down a bit and we think of, well, what's the mission of Northern Life Church? Well, the mission of Northern Life Church is to reach, build, and raise the people of God in our region. So let's start with the word reach. There are a few lies that have crept into the church during my lifetime. Maybe they've always been around, but they seem louder in recent times uh, than before. Here's, here's there's two of them. They should be on the screen, screen, Alex, if you could throw them up. The first one is this. There is no hell. That's a lie. The second one is this. God doesn't care. God isn't concerned about the people, about people perishing. Let me say that again. There is no hell, first one. Secondly, God doesn't care. He isn't concerned about people perishing. These are bo- both of these statements aren't true. They're lies. And I believe... Uh, that they are directed towards believers today to confuse us. Simple as that. Second Peter 3 verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. How many of you have ever been called stubborn? All right. A lot of husbands raising their hands. I'm not sure why. That's not fair. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient Towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Church, why are we still here? Why has Jesus not come back yet? Can I throw you an idea why God hasn't sent his son back? Could it be that by the grace of God, he's being patient towards us to share the good news that Jesus died for our sins and he is alive? Some of you grew up in a time, it could have been right here in Espanola, but certainly in Canada, where a lot of people knew about God. That, for people my age, we, we don't understand that. Uh, in the 70s, Toronto was called Toronto the Good. Because there were so many believers that there really wasn't bad people there. That's how, it was actually called that. If you do your research, it's hard to believe today, uh, 50 years later. But that's what it was called, Toronto the Good, because of all the faith-filled people there. I remember the first church I worked at, Evangel Temple in Toronto, they used to publish the bulletin of churches, the big churches across Toronto, in the Toronto Star. 
Can you imagine that? In the Toronto Star, each, each Sunday, there would be church bulletins from the People's Church, Evangel Temple, uh, a bunch of other ones, in, like in the paper, just to help people out. Hey, good stuff. Imagine that today. Ho! Come on! So that was, of course, before my lifetime, in case you're wondering how old I am. I don't reach there. I believe that in these days, where am I going with that? I believe in these days that there are actually so many people in Canada. We live in a post-Christian country, all right? If you go across the world, Muslims say Canada is Christian. We know it's not, all right? If the Muslims think it, that's fine, but, like, it's not. We live in a post-Christian country. No matter what, even though there's scriptures tattooed all over the walls of Parliament in Ottawa, we live in a post-Christian country. It's just where it's at right now. There are people in our own town, in our own region, that have never heard the word Jesus. They've never heard it. Again, if you're older than me, that may be kind of jarring to you. You may have found it out also, but it, it may. But let me tell you, there are people that have never heard the word Jesus, let alone who he is and what he's done for our life. So could it be that by the grace of God, he's being patient towards us? To share the good news that Jesus died for our sins and he is alive. What, what is one thing we know that God has promised us that will uh, initiate his return? When every single person hears that Jesus is Lord, he will then come back. So if he's not back, what does it tell us? There are still people in this world, even in Espanola area and Little Current, that have not heard about Jesus. It's as simple as that. You see, our Father in heaven does not wish that any should perish. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you will not spend eternity with him. That's what the scriptures tell us. Is it serious? Absolutely. It's, <laughs> that's why when people get saved and people like me say, this is the most important decision you've ever made in your life. It's not just like, woo, you know, party. No, it's serious. It actually is. It's more important than who you got married to. Right? Don't say oops. <laughs> Some, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's more important than that. It's more important than, of course, where you work or what you do with your life, which is actually not a big deal at all. Jesus is the center of your life. He is the most important decision that you will ever make. It's as simple as that. So if I've never heard the voice of Jesus, how can I make the decision for him? It's actually why so many people in other countries, we don't talk about this in the kind of the Western world, but so many people in other countries, they actually, Jesus comes, is especially true for Muslim people, Muslim nations, where you can't go. Like, you can't go into certain countries, right? If I go in, say, hello, I have a Bible, I want to show people the Bible, I just get thrown in jail, and eventually I could get executed. That's what happens in a lot of countries. The truth is, in those countries where people like us can't go, Jesus actually comes to people in dreams, and people get saved through Jesus coming to them in their dreams. That's not an old story. It happened recently. I can... I can show you stories. Simple as that. Our Father in heaven does not wish that any should perish. So if we believe the lie that God is okay with some people perishing, going to hell, not spending eternity with Jesus, that is a lie from the devil. It was never true. It never will be true. Habakkuk 2 verse 3 says, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. 
It will not delay. 1 Timothy 2, verse 4, about the same topic, says this. Who desires all, it's saying God, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the heart of God, that everyone would be saved. Not just some of us coming together on a Sunday morning. No, no. Everybody. Everybody. Seeing that people, as I call people, humans, come to Christ is our mission. We aren't accomplishing our mission if we don't see people come to Jesus. That was always something when I was younger that bugged me, that we would evaluate ourselves based on people coming to Christ. As I grow older, I'm not as concerned about it. I actually think we should judge ourselves that way. Are new people coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ? We will celebrate every single person that comes into a new relationship with Jesus Christ. Even if you trick your friend who used to be a Christian to become a Christian again, I'm good with that. Trick them. As long as they confess Jesus with their mouth, believe it in their heart that he is Lord, what's the problem? Well, pastor, he's a little uh, rough around the edges. (laughs) Have you seen some people we know recently? We're all a little rough around the edges. When my kids wake me up early in the morning, I'm a little rough around the edges. Seeing that people come to Christ is our mission. Don't ever deceive yourself that that is not our mission. Whether it's, you know, it's, I, I love, I don't, I'm going to make fun of people. Oh, that's okay. I'm just shooting from the hip today. That's all right. I love people that say, I don't believe in the church. I don't think I need to come to church. That's good. I, I really don't matter to me. But everybody's mission, if you call yourself a believer in Christ, our goal is to see that people come to Christ. So if your church is at home by yourself on Sunday morning or any other day of the week, that's good. Find some people to come to Christ. Right? You know, we all, we all have friends, and some of them are our family, we won't say who, that like just hide in the bush. Right? You know people like this? They just hide in the bush. <laughs> Jody, <laughs> it's not Jody. It's not Jody. He comes out of the bush. It's all good. Oh, man. We all have friends and family like this, okay? The truth is, I don't care what, they say, what anyone like that says, we are to see people come to Christ. It's as simple as that. Uh, when, I, when, I, when, the, when the youth ministry is starting up this week, when we've, we've, had sto- we've had stories in the past year when, Pastor, I, started, I prayed for the first time recently. I felt good. Woo-hoo! Party time, right? We want to see people come to Christ. Why do you, Pastor Jason, why do you run the same Alpha program all the time? Guess what? People get saved. I'll run that thing until it looks like it's 100 years old. I don't care. Like, I love it. We run it every year. Well, Pastor, it's the same thing. Yes! It's the same thing. I remember we uh, had a, a drama at the, at the church in Toronto. I was youth pastor. We had a drama one year, and it was so successful. We brought it back the next year, and all the people in the church, they would come up to me. Pastor Jay, I've got a problem. Like, what's, what's the problem? The drama's the same. Yes. Why? Because people come to Jesus every time. Yeah, I think it's dumb. I don't get it. Like, well, I don't think it's dumb. Not the people coming to Christ part. I'm not a drama guy, okay, if, in case you're wondering. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't get it. But if it brings people to Jesus, I'm good with it. Right? People are critical. I have pastor friends. Well, how did they come to Jesus? I'm like, shut up. They came to Jesus. I don't care if you hit someone going into the Timmy's parking lot and they got saved after it. Do it again. Well, don't do that again. Don't. No, don't, don't. 
That's, that's the next jail call I'm going to get. Well, the pastor told me. <laughs> yeah. They've been aiming for me for 50 years, and they finally got him. All right. The mission of Northern Life Church is to reach, build. All right. Another part of our mission is build, which evokes, of course, a picture of literal building in our minds, like building something, putting brick on brick together. In the past years, we've built teams of people, groups, and ministries at Northern Life Church, new things, and that's awesome. It's great. But I believe next we need to build a strong financial foundation for Northern Life Church. You see, our vision this year as a church board uh, and leadership was to uh, financially to come out even this year. As you know, not uh, in the past number of years, we've had to use reserve funds to pay bills for our church. As simple as that, okay? This has happened over the last three to four years in particular. We are on our way this year to doing better, to doing better. We hope to reach our goal to be even uh, with our, our bank account in terms of money that comes in and money goes out. We're hoping to be even, even though we're not there yet. We're, if you look at the poster out in the lobby, we're not there yet. It's, it's public knowledge. But we're hoping to get there. Northern Life Church is called to do more than pay its bills. If all we're doing is paying bills, like paying the electricity bill or paying some staff salaries or uh, paying to, uh, you know, clean up around here. Come on, we're called for more than that. Come on. It, it, we, we, God has a much bigger plan. Last weekend was awesome, right? If you were here, I think you enjoyed it. Last week was awesome. One of the testimonies we have from last weekend is that it didn't cost our church $1. It didn't cost our church $1 because of the provision of God. Every bill we had last weekend will be paid for. Every bill. Our church bank account has not changed because of it. Why? Because we were obedient to giving to God's kingdom. We'll actually be able to send uh, Pastor Chuck's ministry more money than we planned because that much came in. Think about that for a second. That's what we are called to do. We are called because God, he's not a break-even God. No, he's got all the financial power. He owns the money of the world. It's his. Yes, corporations think they have it, blah, 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 blah. You think you, you and I think we have some. No, no, no. It's his. It was always his. Even if you don't know God, it's still his. It's all his. Whether you say it or not is irrelevant. It's his. I encourage everyone to continually, faithfully tithing and giving offerings to God as he calls us to. Malachi 3 verse 10, Bridget already shared part of it. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. You know, I kind of put the Lord to the test last weekend. I booked it, but we didn't have the money for it. Right? I didn't know where it was going to come from. And I actually felt like canceling a couple times over the last few months. It's like, I don't think it's a good idea. I didn't tell anyone that, but that was what my thought was. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. Do you know a prophetic word God gave me this summer? I haven't told anyone this. I was sitting at one of the camp meetings at Spring Bay, and I was praying about money. That's what I was praying about. I don't know if any of you pray about money, but I was praying about it. I was like, Lord, I don't know what's going on. You know what he said to me? Get a bigger bucket. Get a bigger bucket. He said, your bucket is too small. It's overflowing, but I can give you more if you give me a bigger bucket. 
Some of us are so narrow-minded, this guy right here, with our financial thinking that we actually restrict God's blessing because we haven't given him a big enough bucket to pour out uh, from the windows of heaven, pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. It's true. That's what the scripture says. Verse 10. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. If we hadn't had last weekend, that financial blessing wouldn't have happened for our church. Wouldn't have. Now here's verse 11. We can't, we this is one of those verses that sometimes you, you read the first part, but you don't read the, the, the next part. Verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. That's a promise to us. It's a promise. Verse 12, then all nations will call you blessed. All nations. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Guess what? I believe that all nations will call Northern Life Church blessed. Well, pastor, we're just in Espanola. I don't care. I don't care. I believe that all nations will call us blessed. Many churches like ours use this scripture as a biblical theme and teaching for tithing. Here's the, here's the uh, word I want you to, uh, to remember. In verse 11, it says, I will rebuke the devourer. The word rebuke can also be translated guard and prevent. So how about we say it this way? God promises to guard and prevent what's being built. He's guarding and preventing. He's pushing back the forces of darkness because of our faithfulness through Northern Life Church, what's being built here. Some of you may wonder sometimes, what's going on at the church? You may drive by, what's going on there, right? Maybe someone may think, what are those pastors doing? What are they doing? I have some family. I don't come from a pastoral family. Sometimes they'll say to me, I just wonder what they're doing sometimes. And I'm like, who cares? That, like, hopefully they're praying. Like, they'll start there. Reading your Bible is a good thing. Like, if you wonder what pastors do, like, we pray, we read our Bible, we go out for lunch. You know, we, we go fishing with you sometimes if you invite us. Not, you probably won't know now because I haven't been encouraging uh, the positivity of fishing with me. No, that's, that's what we do. We, we, we come together, we pray, we, do, we plan. We, Pastor Andy and I, we got a whiteboard in my office. I didn't use it the first five years I was here. Then I started using it when Pastor Andy showed up. And we got all sorts of things on there. We have conversations and we say, put it on the board. That's kind of our phrase. What's the big deal about giving? Some ask. Church, we've faced new spiritual attacks this year. I've faced them personally. Just the last few days, we've been praying through and believing for deliverance and breakthrough at Northern Life Church in Espanola and Little Current. Do you know what? There's some sad stories about the way churches function and uh, things that has sin that has crept into the lives of pastors and leaders in our region. Some of you know the story, some of you don't. You can, if you really want to know, I'll tell you. But it's, not, it's in the past, it really doesn't matter now. But I believe we need deliverance from some of this garbage. We do. Whenever I, I've pastored in three churches, this is the third church I've pastored in. Every time I go to a, a, a new church, I've been pastoring for 16 years, so three churches, you do the math, I don't change every year like some. 
Every time I go to a new church, everyone's nice for the first little while. Oh, pastor, it's so lovely. I, even, like, when I was the youth pastor, like, we're just so glad you're with the youth. Da, 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 like, whatever it was. It usually takes three to four years, in my experience, before you start to see the dirt come out. Right? Sometimes some churches have so much dirt, it takes two weeks. That happened to me one time. And then I quit. I lasted a month. <laughs> that was my... We won't talk about that. But anyways, <laughs> but the truth is, it, it, you know, healthy churches, it takes two, three, four years before you start to see some of the dirt come out. Well, we've been in charge in Little Current for about two, three years. So guess what we started to find? A little bit of dirt. I don't want to talk about sin. I don't want to talk about it. Let's pray it out of the stinking place. Okay. If there's sin in our lives, get rid of it. The Bible says if your hand causes you to sin, chop it off. Right? Now, obviously, we don't do that anymore. Okay? I don't, most people I know have hands. All right? Or legs or whatever limb. I don't, I don't know. Make up your story. Just the last few days, we've been praying through and believing for deliverance and breakthrough at Northern Life Church and Espo and Little Current. I know we will be okay because the Lord has rebuked, as Malachi 3 says, the Lord has rebuked the one that wants to devour us. He's rebuked it. It's gone. The Lord of, Ho the Lord of hosts guards and prevents the enemy from destroying us. What we are planting, what is being grown, will not be destroyed in Jesus' name. That's how it works. When I, I read the scripture about fruits of soil, I kind of thought of our little current campus. Fruits of soil. We're, we're, we're putting uh, seeds in the ground, hoping that and believing that it will bear fruit. Even if it doesn't bear fruit this week, I'm believing, we are believing that at some point it will start to bear fruit. And then when I thought of the vine in the field, as it said in Malachi 3, I thought of our kids and student ministries because they've been planted and now they've been growing for a while. They've become a, a new vine. I, I found a vine on my garage yesterday. I ripped that sucker out. It wasn't a good vine. I didn't want that. It was attached to my, the side of my, my garage building. I was like, this is ridiculous. I just ripped that thing out. But these vines are good that the scripture speaks of. A vine in the field. I believe that's our kid and student, kids and student ministries. God is calling us to more than just pay bills. Let me speak that over your personal finances. God is calling us to do to, to more than just pay bills. That's come on. Yeah, does it mean that we'll have to sacrifice? Yeah. Guess what? Yeah. I read a stat that we're actually poorer now than people were in the Great Depression. If you uh, factor in inflation and the cost of goods and all that stuff, we are actually living poorer than the folks that lived in the Great Depression. Well, guess what happened in the Great Depression? Some of you have parents, and I have great-grandparents that lived through the Great Depression. Well, what did we do? We lived a little differently, right? We did. It's the way it goes. God is calling us to more than just pay bills. I believe it with all my heart. I know God will provide financially for us, even in these wild financial times we live in. God don't care about inflation. 
or any of those metrics. He doesn't, he is in charge of all of that. He is, it's as simple as that. Okay, let me move on, otherwise I'm going to go off on a tangent. Uh, so the mission of North Life Church is to reach, build, and finally raise. Raise. This one, I believe, has shifted slightly to something different for this season. We've been in the last 11 days put into a position where I believe we must set our church, our church family, every single one of us here watching at home, watching in Little Current, every single one of us must set an example for our community that we actually trust God. Not, I don't want you to just say it. Anyone can say, I trust God. Anyone can say that. I believe we must set an example for our community that we actually trust God. I was given some fruits and vegetables recently, grown locally. They were given to me as a gift. There was a pile of them. There was one vegetable <laughs> that it's not my, I don't like it. I don't eat that kind of vegetable. You, you think he just eats a lot of meat. I do eat vegetables, just so you know. No, there's, but there's this one. I was like, that's unacceptable. I can't eat that. There's this, so there's one vegetable. What I've learned is that God will provide what I need. So instead of when I got this gift of this, these fruits and vegetables, when I was given this gift, instead of grumbling, I wish it would have been something else. I've made sure that what God provided was preserved and taken care of so that it continues to bless our family. I actually took the vegetables, I cooked them, and I froze them so I can use them in the winter. Right? I learned that from my grandfather. A little old school, some of you do it, but I learned how to do it from him. Here's the truth. If, we all, if all we do is complain about the crisis situation we find ourselves in, and I'm speaking of our, the business in town going into idle. If all we do is complain about our crisis situation, we will miss the provision that God can and will supply to us. That day, I was given some food. I actually needed food that day for my family. I did. I needed food. I didn't know what we were going to have that night. Boom. There it goes. Was it what I wanted? No. No. Prime rib is nice. You know, twice-baked potato with sour cream is nice. No, no, but you know what? That food provided for us. Simple as that. We didn't go hungry, right? If all we do is complain about the crisis situation we find ourselves in, we will miss the provision that God can and will supply to us. God knew I did not need prime rib that night. I just needed some veggies. Worship team, would you come up while I start to wrap this up? President John F. Kennedy once remarked that when Written in Chinese, the word crisis is composed of two characters. One character represents danger and the other represents opportunity. Every crisis at the same time is an opportunity. Crises are often caused by unexpected difficulties. All of us have problems. Don't raise your hands. All of us have problems. I could... If you don't think you do, just talk to me for three minutes. I'll tell you a few. All of us have problems. Many of us will face crises in life. So how do you respond to a time of trouble, danger, or unexpected difficulties in your personal life? How do you respond to that? How do we respond to unexpected difficulties in the church or in our nation? 
How do, we how do we respond to a day of crisis in our lives? How do we respond to that? Well, you know me. Let's turn to Scripture for what to do here and how we will respond. If you do a study on Isaiah chapter 37, you see that it's a moment of difficulty in that chapter for King Hezekiah. Uh, and he's been given a difficult situation, difficult news to deal with. The report that's been shared to him has not gone uh, in his favor. Here's a few parts of the passage from Isaiah 37. It says this in Isaiah 37 verse 3, the first part. They said to him, thus says Hezekiah, this day is a day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. How many of you have ever felt that before? This day is a day of distress, rebuke, and of disgrace. One of those things, maybe all of those things. Well, you fast forward three verses, and here's the prophetic word that Isaiah the prophet gives. Isaiah said to them, Say to your master, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard. That's what he says. So what does King Hezekiah do? He's been given this bad news in this situation. What does he do? There's three principles we can use and utilize. What does King Hezekiah do? Number one, he sees the situation for what it really is. Do you know it's okay to say that something stinks? It's okay. Every once in a while something bad happens in our life. You know what we say? That sucks. Some would use stronger language. I'm fine with that. It's okay. Yeah, it sucks. Number two, this is what uh, uh, King Hezekiah does. Do not allow your mourning and grief to spin to rejection of the Lord's power and help. Do you know that we dwell so much on the bad things sometimes that we actually are, are just spun into each, uh, forever mourning and grieving a situation? That's what happens. And we actually miss out on, the, on God's power and help for us in the situation. The third thing Hezekiah does, he went to the temple and sought the word of the Lord. So when we face struggles and trials and all this stuff, what do we do? We see the situation for what it really is. Don't look through rose-colored glasses. Don't be, oh, I just like to be positive. No. What it is? What is it? It blows. That's why it stinks. I'm angry. That's okay to say those things. God, why did you let this happen? Okay to say. See the situation for what it really is. Number two, do not allow your mourning and grief to spin to rejection of the Lord's power and help. If all I do is complain about a situation the rest of my life, I've rejected God's provision. I'm telling you right now. Be careful. I would actually argue, shake yourself out of mourning and grief prematurely so that you do not miss what God is doing. Be careful. It's a warning. And the third part. Seek the word of the Lord. Do you know what I do when I have trouble? I try to figure it out myself. Every time. Right? I'm sure you're the same way. Every time I find myself in trouble, I try to figure it out myself. And hopefully sooner than later, my brain clicks in. What are you doing? Just talk to Jesus. Right? Just talk to Jesus. Seek the word of the Lord. Do you know what I do when I feel like Jesus isn't speaking to me? I open the Bible. Start in Proverbs. You'll get a few laughs before even if the Lord doesn't say something to you right away. Usually it involves us being quiet and listening to him. Is most of what the, those scriptures tell us. And to not be around stupid people. That's kind of, there's my Proverbs uh, commentary in a nutshell. <laughs> I should publish that. One page. 
I can use a big font, sell it on Amazon, $5. I could do good. I'll give the funds to the church, that's right. What does King Hezekiah do with his bad news? He sees the situation for what it really is. He does not allow his mourning and grief to spin to rejection of the Lord's power and help, and he seeks the word of the Lord. Let me read the passage again. First part of verse 3, they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, this day is a day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. And then Isaiah the prophet says to them, Say to your master, thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard. Do not be afraid of the words that you have heard. I don't care what you're facing. I, everybody in this room is probably facing something different right now. At our campus, those watching at home. Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard. Do not be afraid. So how does this apply to our uh, Northern Life Church mission where we are to raise the people of God across the region? I believe we are to set an example of encouragement and faith in these days. I believe it. Now is the time for us to show that our God is real and has a plan for us. All of these scriptures today have highlighted how God actually has a plan for us. He does. He, know, he knows what's going to happen before it takes place. I can actually find peace when I think of the future of our church. I find peace in knowing that Jesus, the forerunner, has already been there. He knows what's going to happen. I don't need to worry about it. What are we going to do? It's all good. Jesus has been there. He's been there. Whatever you're facing in your life, he's been there. No matter what we are facing, Jesus will deliver us and provide for us. Would you stand with me? Worship team, would you prepare to lead us in a song? Let's pray. So God, I just thank you for today. I just thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity for us uh, this Sunday and next to talk about vision at Northern Life Church. We can kind of speak to what you've already put on our hearts over the years, but also how it applies to our situations today. God, your word will never return void, and that's why we can come back to things and see it through a different lens, a different light, and we can apply the principles still to our lives. God, I think of uh, Hezekiah, this example we have in Isaiah 37. Lord, I pray that whatever we're facing, whenever it is, even if it's something in the future we, we haven't uh, uh, f- found out about yet, something that's coming, Lord, I pray that we would see the situations for what it really is. Lord, we, we wouldn't glorify it. We wouldn't make it a bigger mountain than it needs to be. We wouldn't uh, undermine it in any way. But God, we would see the situation for what it really is. And God, also, I pray that we would not allow our mourning and grief to spin into rejection of what you are doing through your power and your help in our lives. And finally, Lord, God, this is one I believe that we really struggle with. We really struggle with. God, when we face times of trial, tribulation, adversity in our lives, God, I pray that we would honestly seek your face. That we wouldn't look to strength from someone, some other human's words, some other person's ideas, some other person's experience. No matter how genuine and helpful it may be, but God, we would go to you for strength.
God, we can't do this on our own. We are seeing in real time the financial systems of our world breaking down. God, we cannot put our trust in those systems. Whatever that may be, whatever that looks like. Lord, every day we need to rely on you for the provision that you have for us. Lord, just that prophetic word you gave me a couple months ago for my own life and for our church, I pray that other people would take it, that we would get bigger buckets to see your blessings flow into and overflow it. God, some of us are walking around with dollar store buckets. They're small and fragile, and we can barely get one foot in. But God, we need bigger buckets. We need some gasoline buckets, some tanker engine buckets, where you can pour blessing into it, Lord, above whatever we could ever ask or imagine. So God, I pray that at Northern Life Church, we would get bigger buckets. Lord, I pray for our homes and our families that we get bigger buckets so that you can continue to pour out blessings. You're willing. We just need to get the bigger buckets. Some of us, we need to shift our thinking that God actually loves us and wants to bless us. So God, I pray that we would seek the word of the Lord, your word, Lord, in our circumstances and in the things that we're dealing with. God, we just did a series of messages based on Zechariah 3, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Lord, it is by your spirit that we accomplish anything. Lord, I pray for Alpha at our little current campus this year. Lord, I pray that there's a bunch of people that have never heard about you come for free food. I don't care how they get there. I don't care who brings them. I don't care how old or young they are. I don't care how smelly, how tattered. Uh, I don't care where they're from on the island. I don't care if they're in the bush. I don't care if they live with the deer. I don't care. I pray that they would show up. Maybe they're just hungry for physical sustenance, and they will find the bread of life among them. Got to pray for our student ministries this year. Lord, I don't care how troubled these kids are. Lord, they are sons and daughters of you. I don't, even if they don't know who you are, Jesus, they are your sons and daughters. We are co-heirs with Christ. So God, I pray that as students come into this building, that their uh, stress in life, their, what, you know, the depression, the anxiety that they face, I pray that it would fall down like scales as they walk through the door, and they will be set free and delivered from whatever's ailing them. Lord, I pray for those that are caught up in material things, our students who all they do is spend their money on clothes and gadgets and all this stuff. Lord, I pray that they would have a hunger to pursue your goodness. Lord, they wouldn't be concerned with their appearance of their outside, but God, they would begin for the first time to look at their hearts and be cleansed and washed white as snow from the sin that's in their lives. God, I pray that addictions would break in Jesus' name. I pray that unbiblical relationships would break and be eliminated in Jesus' name. 
And God, that you would speak clearly to these students as Pastor Andy and our teams minister, encourage, and strengthen these young people. God, we believe in faith that this year is the year of freedom. It's not over yet. So we pray for deliverance in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for the youth group that wants to start up in Little Current, that they would start and that there would be young people saved in Jesus' name at our campus. Come on, Lord. Now is the time. We're not waiting any longer. We're not waiting for another movement, for another opportunity, for a new season. No, it is, now is the time, and we're believing in faith that we will see people set free, delivered, healed, and come to you for the first time. In Jesus' name. So, Father, would you be with us, we pray. Would your hand be upon us. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in all of our gatherings. Lord, we, we don't want to be here or do any of this without your presence. We only come to meet with you. So, Jesus, would you be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name.